Alright, I think we're live. I'll be honest, I have no idea, but that's what we're going with. Anyways, uh, Judd's Buds, episode 71. As always, your host, Spoke Z, not joined by my good buddy, Mr. At State of Hoppy, this week. He is doing cool shit on a golf course today. So just me today uh, did absolutely zero uh, planning for this episode. So just like old times, it's been a very long time since I did one of these by myself. So should be interesting. I cannot get the trees to get out of my face. Anyways, um, how's everyone doing? Great. Good talk. Um, like I said, going to just be me today. Probably going to be a quick one. I put a uh, I put a tweet out asking for questions. I've got a grand total of two, uh, probably because I remembered to do it about 30 minutes ago, if that, uh, probably less. So, um, yeah, no, I, this is feeling very nostalgic. This is feeling like old time Judd's Buds, but it was just me doing this. Um, so it should be interesting. Um, like I said, probably going to be quick. Got a couple things that we'll talk about, uh, you know. And then we'll probably just do draft stuff, and then I'll answer the grand total of two questions that we've got um, from uh, the Twitter account. So, without further ado, why don't we just dive right into it? Uh, the first thing, since we last talked, obviously the buyout window, I don't remember if it was open last time we did one of these, but uh, we got a buyout. Pretty fucking big one. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson. I told Isha that I would talk about it because he decided to make that the thumbnail uh, of this video. So he's bought out by Vancouver, and um, it's quite shocking because, well, it is and it isn't, right? Like, I mean, the guy just isn't an $8 million player. He's not a $6 million player. He's not a $4 million player anymore. Um, but, man, that fucking cap it, that penalty – for this buyout is something else. So let me pull it up here. They are on they are on the hook now for oh Jesus. <laughs> for uh through the 2030-31, I believe. Yes, the 31 season, which doesn't even sound like a fucking real year, by the way. Um and I mean, it's not quite on the uh, Minnesota Wild suit or Parise by a level, but uh, I mean, that hurts. But you know what? It, I, it, it doesn't make sense from, you know, the penalty standpoint. But Jesus Christ, I think that that had to go. Um, that had to end. It was I mean, that was just a brutal you know, couple of years there. And um, it just had to it just had to happen. So that being said, I mean, the dude. Eh, Ron says, I think he's cooked. Um, I don't know if I'd go as far to say cooked. I mean, the guy's 31 years old. He still skates pretty well. He's just, you know, I'll be curious to see who's going to take us. He's going to make money. He's going to get signed, right? Like, he's going to go somewhere. And, you know, I, I assume he'd sign, like, a one-year deal somewhere that he wants to go. Um, you know, one-year deal, reboost the value, because he's going to, you know, probably sign again. Um I think he can still play, but, you know, maybe 
when he's getting against lesser competition, not going up against top wise, really not being relied on essentially as a defenseman, I think he can still give you some kind of value, right? So, I mean, I'll be curious to see who takes a swing on him because, I mean, if you can get him for one year, one, two million, I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, you know, he's a dude that's played as long as he has in the NHL and he's had some really good years. And obviously, again, he can still skate and there's still a little bit of offense in there. And it's not all just like on the power play. As a matter of fact, he's not exactly the best power play player anymore anyways. So, yeah, I mean, I'll be curious. I think if it's if you're a team that's cap strapped that you're, you know, pushing for a playoff spot and looking to make a deep run in the playoffs and you need depth on that back end like we saw, I think that's a decent uh, gamble to make. It seems like a pretty, you know, low risk mid to maybe high reward swing. So, um, you know, since this is the this is a Minnesota Wild prospect podcast, so I don't think this makes a whole lot of sense for the uh, Minnesota Wild, obviously, because I don't really think they've got any money to really throw around until they get their own shit sorted out. Um, but I mean, yeah, I I think for any team who looks at you know their back end who needs to add someone that can play decent minutes, uh, can give you something offensively, and maybe isn't like a complete crater on his own, in his own end. Um, again, I think that's a pretty pretty intriguing. I bet he'll have his pick of teams, too. I think there are going to be plenty of teams calling his name. So we'll see what happens. Um, but it'll be interesting. So Oliver Leckman Larson bought the fuck out. By the way, if you, I used to like for fun find the most like devastating contracts in the NHL. I'll just go on like cap friendly and buy them out to see what it looked like. And holy shit, a couple of years ago, uh, this was like the most buyout proof contract of all time. Like uh, I think it was two or three years ago I did it and it was paying out to like just years at a ridiculous cap. And at one point the cap, it was just like the exact same and it was just ridiculous. So, Hey, you know what sucks for Arizona. They get to be on the hook. They're going to be paying this dude, even though when they're not the Arizona coyotes anymore, um, you know, so, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see where he goes though. That's a crazy buyout. I can't believe it actually fucking happened, but um, Jesus, I hope he ends up somewhere and you get and gets to play, you know, as many minutes as he should be playing and not fucking just getting absolutely carved by the fan base, wherever he goes. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens with Oliver Ekman Larson. I hope you're happy. Isha. I actually did bring him up and I remember to do it right off the hop. So there you go. Um, I'm not used to doing this by myself for so long. I'm like having to do the fucking timestamps and this is going to drive me nuts. I will forget about halfway through here, especially as these start going back. But anyways, this one we could do a whole fucking show about what what a brutal transition but um are the calgary flames gonna have to like relocate before the arizona coyotes do holy shit what the fuck is going on the past 24 hours it's just like hey you know every single established player that's pretty good uh that we have on our roster that has like one year left on their contracts yeah they all have absolutely zero interest in uh coming back so let me pull up i get it because sarah volley's just been like rattling off these fucking uh these tweets about the guys that are just like yeah no i'm out of here um first one that we saw the news about was elias lindholm now that we saw that like i think last week two weeks ago actually i really think that's probably been um you know out there for a while now i mean they threw an eight-year bag at him and he said no I'm good. 
Uh, yeah, word for word, Frank Saravalli, eight hours ago. Uh, update, Calgary recently made a big pitch, rolled out the red carpet, parentheses, dollars. Thank you, Frank. Uh, to re-sign center Elias Lindholm, Calgary is waiting on a response from Lindholm and have not been given a definitive answer yet, but general league speculation is he's leaning towards not re-signing with Calgary. That is horrendous for them. Everyone is just out. They actually had their two best players last year say, peace, see, smell you later, I'm gone, No, not even coming back. They gassed Sutter, or Sutter, and now even more players want to leave. I don't know how the fuck that, like the introductory meetings went with uh, Conroy because he's been there for a while. He's just the GM now, but uh, they've just, they were like, you know what? This actually seems worse than it was before. Um, my buddy, Corey Snyder, he, he just tweeted out recently, Sutter refused to play <laughs> young prospects. So now they have to play the entire Wrangler squad, their AHL team. They're all going to make the team next year because everyone's fucking leaving. So, um, but Lindholm, I mean, if you're Calgary, you have to move him now. If he's giving you a definitive no, then he's got to go. You have to. Um, I mean, a bunch of dudes got to go then because look at this. Followed up. Same thing with Hannafin. Clearly indicated that he does not plan to sign an extension of Calgary. Doesn't necessarily guarantee a trade, but Calgary has an answer on where he stands. So that's definitive. Then Sarah Valley follows that up about 25 minutes later. Bit of a surprise told Michael Backlund is also leaning toward not resigning in Calgary. That's crazy to me. That dude's played 900 games in that fucking organization. He's like been kind of a perennial like Selkie snub forever. That dude's solid. And I mean, the offense has popped off and on lately uh, the last few years. It, he's a good fucking player, man. I mean, like the age doesn't really... You know, that's going to limit some teams, obviously. But that dude's been able to play for a long time. Um, he's one of the best defensive forwards in hockey, has been for a while. Um, and that's got to hurt to see that dude who, again, he's been there for 900 fucking games, is also planning on not re-signing there. Um, I mean, that's, fit what, 15 years? He says he's out. And the last one, which really seems like a doozy, uh, Frank Saravalli, two hours ago, not to throw another one. <laughs> Another log on to the fire for the Flames. Well done. Uh, but the potential exodus continues. I'm told Tyler Toffoli also plans on not re-signing in Calgary. Tyler Toffoli just comes off that monster year, his career year. Uh, and he not only, Friedman followed up uh, shortly, or just a few minutes ago, Elliot Friedman says that not only is he planning on not re-signing, that dude's asking for a trade. So, you lost Gaudreau, you lost Kachuk last year. You bring in a guy like Huberto, who really just did not have a good year at all. At least he signed, and he really can't go anywhere. And probably, even if he wanted to, I don't know who's going to you know, sign up for $80 million of that for another fucking eight years. Um, you know, Uyghur is Uyghur. There was rumors that they were even considering trading him. I can't imagine that was real last year. But he's, you know, there's been rumors there. But, you know, I think he'll have a better year. I think he was off and on last year not the best not the not the worst year but um so you lose those two guys last year now you're looking at Tafoli, backland lindholm hannafin i mean what the fuck is going on what is going on in calgary they just got approved for the new arena you'd think that might entice some guys to stay they just gas sutter which means like you can actually come to the the rink with a smile on your face and you won't get like shot in the head you'd think they'd be pumped about this season because i mean that team is a team that 
you should expect probably is going to make the playoffs. And this year was a huge outlier, obviously. Uh, what the fuck is going on? And if you're Calgary, are you looking at this now and saying, well, we better fucking do this before the draft, which is in a week. So, yes, that's right, Josh. Atlanta Flames coming in hot. That's right. Maybe they'll relocate. So, again, do they relocate before the Arizona Coyotes do at this point? Because they literally can't get anybody to fucking sign there or, well, sign and stay. I mean, they're looking at all of their guys on this roster next year being like 31 and older, like every single one of them. So, I have no idea what's going on in Calgary, but I mean, the hits just keep coming. The hits just keep coming. I have no idea. It makes no sense to me. I'll be curious to see how many deals actually happen, if any, before the draft, which is literally in six days. So this could be a very interesting weekend. Um, But there you go. The Calgary Flames, they're losing everybody. No one wants to come back. Um, Maybe, you know, maybe they just love Daryl. Maybe they love Daryl Sutter so much and uh, they just can't play without him. We all, we've all been duped. We've all been duped, but Calgary flames mass exodus. So that means they will play young players because they'll have no choice to, because it's the only guys they'll have left, but man, Oh God, Elias Lindholm. I love that guy. It's a risky. If you want to give him eight years, it's risky with that age, but that dude is a stud. That dude is a stud Uh, in backland. Again, I, he's such a good player. Such an underrated player. He's an actual good answer when people are like, who's the most underrated player in the NHL? I really hate that fucking argument because someone just picks like a guy that's never been nominated for a, a hard trophy and he's having like a monster year. Like that last year in Florida, people like, I've been saying it forever. Jonathan Huberto is one of the most underrated players in the NHL. It's like, fuck off, dude. No one's ever said that. Everyone's always like giving up his flowers because he's nasty. He just plays in Florida, so no one really gives a shit. Same thing with Barkov before. It was unbelievable. I hate that argument. Or I hate that debate. It drives me nuts. Um, but Backlund is an actual good answer when people talk about not the most underrated maybe, but just like an overall underrated player in the NHL. Backlund is a very good answer, I think. Because, again, that dude's been a perennial, not like selkie winning snub, but like at least for a nomination. You know what I mean? He's such a good player. Such a good player. That's crazy. That's the one that actually kind of shocks me the most of anyone. Because, I mean, that guy's been there forever. He's been there for 50 fucking years. 900 games. Crazy. Crazy. So, we'll see if anyone uh, takes a big big swing on him. Because that guy can play. Well, they all can fucking play. Tavoy's had a career year. He's bouncing, dude. This is nuts. What the fuck is going on in Calgary? What's in the water? Maybe they're all leaving because they they're, they won't be in the saddle, though, much longer. Maybe that. Maybe they just love it so much. Jesus. So there you go. As Joshua said, Atlanta Flames coming in hot. Calgary Flames have to relocate, and they will to Atlanta. Oh my God. And they will to Atlanta. Atlanta hockey's back. All right. Moving on. I have to fucking do the timestamps. This is driving me insane. Oh, and I dropped the pen anyway. No more timestamps. Sorry, Asia. Um, all right. Last, I'm really not used to doing this by myself, dude. I don't have Hoppy to like keep me on the rails. I'm about to like look out the window and forget I'm doing a podcast just like old times. Um, I don't have anyone to go back and forth with. I don't have anyone to go over like movie. Maybe I should have just printed out a uh, what's it called? The script of some uh, Paul Rudd movie and just gone the entire thing. God, Jesus. Um, all right. Anyways, we gotta move on. Last thing, real quick, before we just dive into the draft stuff. Well, actually, that's not true. We'll talk. 
couple of Minnesota Wild related things, prospect things, uh, and then we'll go into the draft. I want to. Bob McKenzie dropped his latest. I think it was a top fifty. Uh, no, he did top hundred or ninety six. Ninety six. So he did the first three rounds. Um, thank you, Sean Cosgrove. Look at us. Who would have thought? Thank you, Sean. That was big. We need it. We need it. We needed that. All right. Now we got the juice. Let's have the rest of this beer. And we'll get another one because I have a fridge right next to my computer. Weird. Thank you. Keep the change. Um, yeah, Bob McKenzie released his released. Oh my god, released his top ninety six of the first couple of rounds there, almost full three rounds. Um, and again, Bob McKenzie's rankings tend to like reflect pretty closely how things end up shaking out. So it's actually pretty interesting. So there's a couple that I want to bring up, but before we do that, last thing, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but the Hockey Hall of Fame. The most recent class has been announced, and there's some big-time names, man. Um, let's pull it up here. Goaltender Mike Vernon. Forward Pierre Turgeon. By the way, that I, I don't know how, but sometimes I forget about Turgeon's numbers. They're fucking insane. He was unbelievable. Good for him. Uh, let's see. Canadian women's gold medal and captain Caroline Ulet. I never know how to say their fucking names. Whatever. Uh First ballot, Henrik, Big Hank, the most handsome man of all time. What a man rocket. Gets right in there. Tom Barrasso, which is also very funny when you think about goaltending because how far the positions come. Like, he was winning. Like, what was it? He was like, I think he won the Calder when he was like fresh out of high school and his save percentage was like 889. How far goaltending's come. Um, Pierre Lacroix, well deserved. Well deserved, Pierre Lacroix. And Kenny Hitchcock. I actually did not see that coming. I mean, he's been a coach for fucking however long, however games he's coached. That's a crazy amount of time. He's won a cup. Um, I actually didn't see this one coming. I'll be honest with you, but he's in as a builder. So there you go. Same thing with uh, Pierre Lacroix. Um, but there you go. So that's the most recent class. Shout out Hank. First ballot. It's just because he's good looking, eh? Just a good looking dude. Gets right in. So there you go. If you want to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, be like pretty good at hockey, just be hot, and then you're in. You're in the Hall of Fame. Um, so there you go. Most recent class, Tom Barrasso. Who's I don't think we'll ever see a goalie do that again. Literally fresh out of like fucking high school, step in the NHL, win the Calder, win a couple cups. That a boy, Tommy. Um, but all right, <laughs> that's it for the Hall of Fame talk. That is the whole thing. Um, and we'll and actually since I got legitimately like. Actually, no, I got – oh, I got one extra question in the uh, Twitter thing, uh, Twitter question. So we'll actually go through the chat too if people are going to throw in there some questions in there. We'll go through there. How many times can I say there? Jesus, this really is like old times. This is unbelievable. Oh, it's almost nostalgic and fun, but it's nostalgic and terrible. I don't know how I did this every fucking week for however long I did until I started skipping. I'm sorry, Isha. My bad. Not skipping this week, though, baby. All right, moving on. <laughs> Fucking A. Uh, just a couple things with the Minnesota Wild Prospect Pool related. Um, we'll con- we continue to see if any anything happens with Kalen Addison. It's Again, I think everyone's pretty, at this point, just accepting. Too bad Hoppy's not here to weigh in on this. I don't give him his fucking 30 minutes of uh, Kalen Addison or, and or Pittsburgh Penguins talk. Um 
we'll see if, man i if they're gonna move him i would assume they're they're wanting to do so before the draft you know like i think they i'm assuming if they really are planning on moving this dude even if it's you know i don't think you're getting a first round pick obviously and i mean i think i said last week too that you know, I, I personally wouldn't move Addison if it's just for picks. But at this point, I also now sit back as I think about it. And, like, it's not going to be for a player. They can't add anyone. They don't have to resign their own guys. I mean, fuck, if they want to bring him back, they don't want to trade him. They have to resign him. So he's part of that equation, too. But I bet you they would want, if he's included some kind of package, part of that package is probably fucking draft picks and probably this draft. Um, even though there are some studs in next year's draft too. I can't wait to, to dive into that as the uh, coming months happen. Um, but I would assume, even if it's not just for picks, but I would assume they would really want to get at least one or two, something in 2023. I don't really know what his value is at this point. I mean, he's a young right shot D. He's proven he can produce on the power play, which uh, there are a lot of teams, a.k.a. the Minnesota Wild, I'm sure would love that. And by the way, the Minnesota Wild don't exactly have another guy on that they have the great defensive prospect role they don't really have in terms of defensemen guys that are going to be able to run a power play quite as well as addison i think lambos can do it we've seen him do it the whl i don't think he necessarily does it though to the same degree as addison i think um you know lambos for me probably just how i've watched him develop the last couple of years a really good maybe like a second power play guy, a really good one, but Addison's pretty advanced in how well he runs that thing. And I mean, we saw the immediate returns last year when, you know, we started off the season and they had him there. He was for the first like two months of the season, he's right up there in rookie scoring. Um, and then, you know, he did one bad thing. Well, actually he did about 700 bad things in his own zone. And uh, it, that was it for him. And it did not help that his like third shift after being scratched for a year and a half, uh, he got like burned, just toasted. These I forget which game that was. I think it was like the Blackhawks, which is even worse. Um, you know, obviously he didn't help himself there, but I, man, I really don't. I really wish they wouldn't fucking trade this dude, but it does seem like it is a inevitable at this point. But um, you know, ugh, God, if they really are reserved to it again, I think I would think that they would at least want to get one pick from this draft in return or a draft pick from this this year's draft in return but you know we'll see what happens so you know who knows maybe by you know this upcoming wednesday the 28th he is moved somewhere um which would suck but hopefully the package be good enough where you're getting judd bracket at least one uh one more piece to work with here um in this draft but we'll see um but also minnesota wild prospect pool related uh marco rossi is going to be here in well, I think he actually already is here. He's gonna be staying in uh, Minnesota this year. I love that. That's like it doesn't surprise me at all because that's kind of his makeup. And I don't think you know, even if he did go back to Austria this summer, it's not like he would have been you know less dedicated to training or whatever. But, um, I love that he's gonna be staying here to focus on training because that guy that's a guy that I'm sure you know he he tried to go dark on social media so he didn't have to you know deal with all the uh the pressure, but. A kid like him, as competitive as he is, it's it's guaranteed that you know he heard all the all the noise, he heard the chatter, and I'm sure it pissed him off. And 
you know, again, we said this the entire year. What once he went down to Iowa, he did exactly what they wanted him to do. He played how he wanted him to play. He had that fuck you in his game, like Billy Garen said. Um, I tweeted out a couple of clips, some of the goals he was scoring, some of the assists he had. It was him like out muscling dudes in front of the net or along the wall that were, you know, four or five inches and 20 to 30 pounds heavier than he is. Um, you know, and he outworked him. And now he's going to be here this summer to focus on training because he wants to make the wild roster out of camp next year. He wants to play a big part. He does not want to be stuck on that fourth line, getting eight, nine minutes a night. Um, so Marco Rossi staying in uh, Minnesota this summer. I love that. Good for him. And I think it'll uh, I think it'll pay off for him because he's a beauty. Um, and then last thing, this isn't really Minnesota Wild prospect pool related, but Matt fucking Baldy's gonna go play in the uh, the PGA Tour real quick. <laughs> what can this fucking dude do? Uh, I gotta pull up the exact wording because I will fuck it up. Um, here we go. Pretty cool, Matt Baldy news. Players always saying he's an exceptional golfer. He actually might be the best golfer in the NHL, but. Uh, Minnesota Wild star Matt Boldy has accepted a sponsor's exemption to play in the PGA Tour Canada CRMC Championship presented by Gertens at Cragen's Legacy Courses here on August 28th through September 3rd. <laughs> He's fucking unbelievable. Oh, by the way, Boldy also staying in Minnesota this summer. Um, I can't remember if I was talking to someone who said what his actual handicap is, but I mean, the dude, well, obviously, he's decent pretty good uh but matt boldy i don't even care if that's like the real tour i'm just gonna call i'm just gonna say he's a pga tour golfer that also plays hockey at this point that's unbelievable this fucking kid he's only like he's just like imagine being that good at literally anything or well i mean half as good at literally anything as matt boldy is at like having cool hair golfing and hockey that's gotta be nice so shout out matt boldy he's gonna go play golf PGA tour player who also plays hockey in the NHL in his, uh, in his off time. So, uh, Matt, Matt Boldy, PGA tour star, Matt pride of Millis, Massachusetts, Boldy timestamp again. This is driving me nuts, dude. All right. Now moving on, let's go to the real stuff. The things that I can actually talk about talk about with well that's not true i was gonna say without sounding like a complete idiot and like i'm making shit up that's that's realistically doesn't matter we talk about that's that's what it sounds like all the time um nhl draft we are finally less than a week out from the the 2023 nhl draft we've heard forever how good it is i've talked about it how good this draft class is it is absolutely insane it's loaded um you know, there's probably four or five kids in this draft class that in any other year would be challenging for first overall. Um, you know, it's right there with the 15 draft. So it's really exciting. And today, Bobby Mack, Bobby McKenzie from TSN, he posted his list, his top, uh, what did I say, 96, I think I said. Um, his top 96, what, is it? what was it? Yes, 96. So he posted a mock first three rounds. And again, Bob McKenzie usually... You know, his list is very reflective because he gets quite literally all of his info from scouts, from teams, from NHL people. Um, so, you know, usually what he puts out there ends up being pretty close to what actually happens and how it unfolds. Um, so real quick, I'm not going to go through like all 96 picks, but a couple things I do feel are worthy mentioning so real quick let's run through the top 10 he's got bedard at one not a surprise fantilli at two not a surprise carlson at three you know depending on who you ask the next 
three or four, maybe it's a surprise for you. Uh, he's got Will Smith at four, Matt Vay Mitchkov at five, which, Jesus Christ, I can't handle if he goes fifth to Montreal. I really can't do that. Uh, Ryan Leonard at six, Dvorsky at seven, David Reinbacher at eight, Zach Benson at nine, and Gabe Perot at ten. Um, so first things first that we got to talk about real quick in that one is Matt Vay. Well, is Will Smith going before Matt Vay Mitchkov? Listen, both studs. You got Will Smith. You know, he plays the premium position. He plays center. Whether he turns out to be a center in the NHL, we'll see. Um, one of the most entertaining players in the draft to watch. The plays he's able to make. I had a friend, um, one of my buddies in our scouting uh, outlet there, Smart, with an R. You pronounce the R. It's not Smat. Uh, scouting. You know, they look obviously very different. But when he's on and he's making the plays, he looks like Tage Thompson. You know what I mean? Like just some highlight real plays almost every single time he touches the puck. Um, he played on that ridiculous line alongside Ryan Leonard and Gabe Perot, all headed to BC. So it's going to be interesting because they've played together for a couple of years and they are going to play together again for another couple of years at least. Um, you know, Will Smith, for me, I'd probably put him behind Mitch Cobb because all things being equal, if, you know, the Russia thing wasn't real or it wasn't happening. And he wasn't signed through 2026. You know, he's probably challenging first overall. I think Bedard probably either way created some separation anyways this year, but that's a guy that would be right there with him. In terms of pure talent, the ceiling, it's right there. He looks like some kind of a some kind of version of like a Patrick Kane. Like the plays he can make, the shot is a joke. Again, I've talked about it before. He he can shoot any which way, he creates his own scoring chances. Um, the playmaking even as well has also, uh, you know, come a long way this year for him. And I thought actually, you know, even the defensive game was uh, vastly improved by the end of the season. Um, so that's really like the first one where you're sitting there a little bit surprised. Again, I, it, you want to say that you are surprised, but you're probably not just because not again, this isn't because, you know, the playing um but you're not surprised probably just because again, he's signed, he's in Russia. Like it's going to be a couple of years before anyone is able to bring him over. Um, which really, again, part of that for me is why it makes so much sense for San Jose to do it. But uh, at four, God, I really am getting anxiety already. Think about Mitchkov adding to that prospect pool in the Canadian system. Um, but anyways, we'll see what happens there. But that's the first one that kind of jumps out at you. Will Smith over Matt Bay Mitchkov, although I do love Will Smith. Uh, Mitchkov is Mitchkov, dude. Like, this kid's unbelievable. You know, the next one after that for me, Zach Benson being at nine. Part of me says, hey, that's great. The NHL scouts and teams are telling him that, no, this kid is a top 10 pick. I don't give a, I don't give a fuck if he's five foot nine. Um, don't care if he actually ends up being a center in the NHL. He actually has him left, listed as a left wing. Uh, this is, the, I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Zach Benson is probably the smartest player in this draft. He's been the best player on the Winnipeg Ice, one of the best teams in the Canadian Hockey League, in the CHL, WHL, uh, RIP Winnipeg Ice, by the way. They are now moving to Washington. Um, he's been the best player on that team for two years now. And he was driving the line with Matt Savoy, Connor Geeky, when they were playing together. Two guys that went top 12 last year. Uh, I think Geeky went whatever. At least top 15 either way. Both of those dudes last year, top 15 picks. And guess who was the best player on that line when he was playing with them? Zach Benson, who was a minus one. 
draft minus one. This year, once again, same thing. Every time that he's put on a new line, that line instantly becomes the best line on that team, and that's one of the best teams in the WHL. Um, so for me, I probably got him. Like that would be my guy at five after Carlson Smith. Or nope, that's not true. Carlson Mitchkov. Um, I don't care about the size. It's not going to be a problem. Usually, you know, you look at a, an underage or an undersized kid and you say, well, you better be a really good skater. That's not at all the case with Benson. It's actually probably the worst part of his game is the skating, but he's, it doesn't matter with him. Like he's so smart. He play he defends unbelievably well. He was the best penalty killer in the WHL this season, by the way, as a draft eligible. I think he was second or third in shorthanded goals. Like all he does is create offense. All he does is affect the game at a 200 foot level. Like, I'm a big Zach Benson guy. So part of me says, Hey, it's great that, you know, that sounds like maybe the NHL uh, sentiment is that he is a top 10 pick, even though he's five foot nine, three quarters, which I love the exact measurements, um, you know, cause we were seeing other people mock him at, you know, 16, 17, which is just fucking insane to me. You cannot let him fall that far. That's a guy, if you're Minnesota at, at pick number 21, if he's sitting there at 17, I'm doing whatever I need to do to move up. It would also drive the fan base nuts because there's, <laughs> there are so many people, and it's probably partly my fault too, where I say I would like to see them draft a big center because it's something they don't necessarily have in their pipeline. Uh, it would drive everyone nuts that they get another guy that's five foot nine, five foot ten. Um, but but he's that good. Like he is a stud, he's a top five pick for me. At the very least, top 10. So, again, part of me says, yay, top 10. That's what the, the industry feels. That's what the NHL scouts, the NHL executives feel. I love that about him, and I love that about you know the NHL saying, hey, yeah, he's small, but it's fine. Another part of me says, I would take him way before I would take David Reinbacher, who is there, who is Bob McKenzie's, and definitely this this year's first defenseman off the board. I would definitely take him before Dalibor Dvorsky. I love Dvorsky. Um, and I think I would still probably definitely take him before Leonard or Will Smith. So um, part of me says it's too low, but again, I'm not going to complain with him being at nine overall. Gabe Perot is the big climber here. So Gabe Perot, he's got him at 10th overall. This is a guy that was probably late first, um, you know, coming into the season. And he's really blossomed to like just an elite playmaker. He's got the NHL level shot. He's not a good skater and it's not exactly correctable, but that's okay. Um, that'll really be the big challenge with him. If he can make that offense translate in the NHL, um, you know, the skating's going to get in his way and then he's going to be able to keep up with the plays. He's going to be able to do what he does being a step behind. I think he's smart enough and good enough. And again, I think he's able to affect the way affect the game offensively in so many ways that he should be able to overcome that to an extent. Um, and he's one of the more creative players in the draft. He's a very good playmaker. He's got a great shot. You know, defense is a work in progress, but he works fucking really hard. So good for him for getting a uh, top 10 uh, look here from Bobby Mack. A um, little high for me, but I can totally understand it. Like, there's a legit super high ceiling with him. So Gabe Perot. Um, anyway, and again, like that, the Boston College line from the USN TDP, uh, Smith, Leonard, staying together at bc and in apparently bobby mckenzie's uh mock first top 10 picks um next 10 picks he's got matthew wood at 11 big dude at a yukon was one of the top scorers is for a freshman he's unbelievable um he's 6'4 200 pounds plays hard sun sniper really fun to watch he's got him at 11 colby barlow at 12 
who I am actually probably expecting to go in the top 10 before maybe I would assume that they're going to be NHL teams talk themselves into taking Colby Barlow before they take Zach Benson, just because he's big. He's like six, one, six, two. He's, he, he just looks like an NHL player. He's got one of the best shots in the draft, too. If he didn't get hurt, he would have put up 50, 60 goals this year in the OHL. He's really good, but um, not exactly the greatest playmaker in the world. Skating's good, but he just kind of just makes it work, so I'll be curious to see what happens with him um, when he does go to the NHL. Uh, but then he's got Oliver Moore at 13, Axel, Sandy Pelica at 14, Braden Yeager at 15, Nate Danielson 16, Sam Honzik at 17, Otto Stemberg at 18, Dmitry Simashev at 19, which is probably the lowest I've seen him. Um, and then Tom Willander, my guy. You've heard me talk about him before. Tom Willander at number 20. This is where it really gets interesting. These 10 picks because, again, I just said it, Colby Barlow, it just seems like he's going to be a slam dunk, like for sure top 10 pick because he's got the size. He looks, he plays like an NHL player. He's got great offense in terms of like the shot anyways. I don't know how translatable it is, so I wouldn't take him top 10, but, you know, I totally get it. Um, a guy that I do think will go top 10 just based on, well, well, I would expect a flirt with top 10 is a Nate Danielson. I'm surprised he actually put him at 16 because I'm just seeing so many people talk about him at top 10. I love Nate Danielson. I do think he's a stud, really good playmaker. He's got a real good shot. He's got two-way capability. He's got the size. Skating's got a way to go, but that's fine. It's uh, not, like, non-uncorrectable or whatever. Um I've seen a lot of people say that he's going to go top 10. So that's interesting to me. Uh, Braden Yeager had a really just an off year this year um, in Moose Job, but he's a no shit sniper. He should be able to produce in the NHL, if nothing else, from the goal scoring. He's going to be an absolute weapon on whatever power play he ends up. So, no, that was a guy that was challenging for top eight at this time last year. You know, when we were coming into this year's uh, draft, um, you know, that was a guy that was going to be there challenging the the top guys. So that's interesting. Also interesting that he's got Palika at 14, because I see a lot of NHL executives trying to talk themselves out of taking him too high because he's five foot 11 and not six feet. Um, dynamic skating, really fun to watch. Just highlight real level stuff from the back end. Just such an awesome player. I mean, Craig buttons got him like top five, which is nuts to me. He's also got like uh Willander at eight. Um, but, hey, you know, I like that NHL teams aren't necessarily too afraid of taking them, you know, pretty high in the first round there. Oliver Moore is stud, very fun player, uh, probably the best skater in the draft, really fun playmaker going to the Minnesota, so that's going to be fun. Um, Hanzik I actually thought would be higher. Stenberg, I'm surprised at 18. But Simishev, this is where we really got to talk about, talk about guys or talk about defensemen in this draft. I know plenty of people – with good reason, despite the offense, or at least the numbers not jumping off the page at you. Simashev is their favorite defenseman in this draft. You know, him or Reinbacher. So fascinating to see him down at 19. I don't really think, and I, I think we were talking about this last week or the week before on here. If he's going to go at 19, if he's you know falling uh, below some of these guys, I don't really have any worry. It's not, he, yes, he's Russian, but he doesn't have the same like risk factor as Mitchkov. He's not signed through 2026. He's kind of, it's just a different risk level for me. So there's not like the, really the Russian factor with him. I think there's no worries about him really wanting to come over, coming over. I don't think you're going to need to wait forever. And realistically, it's probably fine if you let him just go continue to develop in Russia. But this is a big dude. He's 6'4". He's 200 pounds. He plays fucking hard. 
He is one of the best skaters in the draft as well. Despite being six foot four, he can turn on a dime. I've said it last week. He's I've watched him like just break ankles, evading the four check where he's just sending four checkers into the boards head first. Um, and, you know, there's no reason that the offense shouldn't pop, but even if it doesn't, because again, he's got really good habits in the offensive zone. He's shown, you know, between the tools and how smart he is and how like just his ability to fucking turn. It's unbelievable, but there's definitely more offense than that stat line shows. I mean, I think at one point you had like one point, like 20 MHL games and like the MHL is a big time scoring league. So that like never should have been that low. Um, but I've seen enough just from the way he plays and just like the tools he's got, the offense is in there, but the very least he, he seems like a safe bet to be a solid shutdown second line guy who can skate, who can break the puck out. Um, so one of the best defensemen in this draft. So I'm, I am surprised that he's got him down at 19. Cause again, I know uh, my guy, Jerome Baruby, has got him at think it's like fifth overall. Um, so it's interesting to see him down at 19. I know there's a lot of debates about, about that guy, but I mean, again, you look at a kid that's 6'4", 200 pounds, who's high-end de- defense, he's got all the tools in the world, can skate as well as he does. I don't know how you don't take him higher than 19, but you know that'll be interesting to watch there. And then last one, Tom Olander. Again, you've heard me talk about him before. Another high, high-end, one of the better skating uh, defenseman in this draft he's got a right shot as well he's got size when he wants to he can be physical um and there's a little bit more offense than i think we've seen you know i think he proved a lot of people wrong or at least he showed a lot of people that there is you know a decent ceiling offensively and he's excellent defensively he's head to bu next year so i am the the one thing that's kind of disappointing is like he was the guy that i was hyping up that only a couple other people were so now he's going to get all the coverage so now i can't even take credit for anything so that sucks for me um all right. So the last, well, actually, there's there's a couple of guys I need to talk about in this first round, and then we can kind of just go find some players from Bobby Mack's first three rounds here that I'm like, how the fuck do you have them there? Um, but since this is Minnesota Wild Prospect related, uh, let's go where he's got number 21. He's got Callum Ritchie. And I, what do you know? Callum Ritchie, he is a center. He is six foot two, he's 190 pounds. Um, he had an off year this year, but so did quite literally everybody on Oshawa. But hey, this is like the exact mold of player that we've talked about on here, right? Like he's different than the other centers they've got in that pipeline. You know, I think this year it's interesting because it, there's a lot of people that had him top 10, you know, at the whole after the Holinka, um, that first junior tournament that really kind of sets the stage. The really it's like the kicking off of like a draft eligible season. Um, but he's like you know, he had this off year and I, I know a lot of people soured on him. Um, but I, you know, I still believe in this kid, like not the greatest skater in the world, but he's a big dude. He's got two way, like potential. He's not there yet. Um, but the shot is no joke. He's a legit playmaker. He's got high end skill. Um, and he can be pretty physical. So Minnesota wild, this is, I think we've literally, I think when I first started talking about like targets early on, Kellen Ritchie actually may have been the first guy that I brought up just because again, he's just different than the rest of the centers you have in the prospect pool. Um, and that's a real nice piece to, to add. So 
I think he'll probably be gone by pick number 21. Um, just given the fact that he's, you know, probably a center, even if he's a right wing, doesn't really matter to me. Uh, but he's a six foot two. He's got a right shot, 190 pounds. That's got good offense and two way capabilities, or at least two way potential. The defense isn't there yet, but like he's got good ha- good enough habits that you think that should come as he continues to develop. Um, you know, and every and every coach that he's ever had just raves about him. But so does every fucking kid that's going to go in the first round. All their coaches like, oh yeah, he's the best. Really good kid. Um, but you know, again, so he's he's like the exact mold of player that I think the Wild, I'm sure, would love to target. Um, Big center with size, projectable offense, two AK ability. It's right up their alley. So, I mean, I think they would love to take, depending on who's there. I, I bet that's a player that they would be thrilled to take at twenty-one. And I think that would be a, a good choice. Um, so there you go. And we'll see if Nate Danielson's there at twenty-one, which he won't be. Um, another good choice. Another guy we've talked about before. Uh, but there you go. And then uh, the guy that Joe Smith, they did the uh, the athletic mock draft. They had each uh, beat writer select for their team. He took Edward Shaw. That's a, so much fun. He is such a fun fucking player. Again, he's got a, he's a big dude, high, high-end skill, crazy hands, really good shot, popped at the Holinka. Um, you know, he's just, you know, he's got an accusation that, you know, He's not the most engaged player all the time, but when he does give a shit, when he does play, he is a fucking freak. He is like the ceiling on him is crazy high. One of the higher ceilings of the draft class is just, you don't see it consistently at all times. And sometimes it just looks like he doesn't give a shit, but um, I would love that too. That's it's like kind of a risky pick just because you don't really know what that, like there's got every GM says, you got to have an A game. You got to have a B game. I don't really know what the fuck uh, Chalet's B game is because it could be, it's, it's terrifying. Like I can't see him being like, yeah, I'll be happy to be on a fourth line. Um, but if he hits, man, that's a no shit top six high scoring player. Um, and he's a ton of fun to watch. So, Hey, I would be, I would be over the moon if they took with 21. He's fun to watch, man. He's such a good player. Whew. All right. Last couple here in the first round that I just had to bring up. Theo Lindstein to me is a left shot D out of Sweden. Really good skater. He can break the puck out. You know, I, I think he's good. He, and he, Hey, he fit right in the SHL this season, even though Brinos, however you say it, got relegated. Uh, you know, he's playing big minutes for them. He fit in fairly well. I just don't see what it is other than the fact that he's six foot and he skates really well. You know, I think he's got, the capability to, you know, do certain things. Like, again, he's got really good. He's a really good skater. He moves right to left really well. I don't like, it's not like he's like walking the line at the, on the offensive zone and creating shooting links, finding passing links. Like he's like, to me, he really fits in. Like if he's going to be a top four defenseman in the NHL, it's because he's kind of a passenger to whoever his partner is. So, I mean, I think, for me, and I know that for our outlet, I think we put him at like 60 something uh, or 70 something. It's just because, again, like I don't really see a super high ceiling with him, but I mean, I think he's probably, you know, he's a safe, decent enough player. So, but just interesting to see him there at 26 and Andrew Crystal at 27, who probably should be at least the top 15 pick. Um, again, we want to, you talk about like guys that don't have a B game. 
<laughs> Andrew Crystal, if that kid gave a shit about playing defense, he'd be a slam dunk. But the skating's real fucking bad. He's five foot nine and a half. Um and doesn't play like the most projectable game, but like at the same time, he's just like better than everybody. So, you know, that tends to not necessarily work out all that well in the NHL, but I have a feeling that he's going to make it because he is so good, but it's just, again, it's like mind blowing to see anyone put Theo Lindstein above Andrew Crystal, even though, uh, you know, we've all heard that Crystal has a chance to go late, late first, early second, but um, you know, it, it, in terms of just pure ceiling and talent, he's a top 12 pick for sure. So that's interesting to me. Oliver Bonk depends who you ask, man. Depends who you ask. I do think he's going to end up going first round. I probably, I don't know if I would be thrilled about that. He is what he is, man. He's a big kid. He plays physical. He's hard to play against. He's, you know, he's got decent enough offense. He makes an okay first pass. Um, and, you know, he's got the NHL bloodline, Father Raddick. Uh, you know, he's, he's a fine player. I'm not, like, I know our in our smart scouting outlet, they, they're they all way lower on him than I would be. But, like, to me, first round is a little bit rich. Or, I mean, I just, I just can't see a huge, super high upside with him. But who knows, man? Like, I've also talked to a lot of people who consider him a super well-rounded right shot defenseman. So, I don't know. Again, you're looking at a right shot D with good size. He's physical. He's got the NHL bloodline, so automatically NHL teams are going to love him. But um, just interesting, to, again, to see him, you know, there <laughs> with some of the other snubs. Um, and, I mean, the last pick, number 32, Riley Height, that, to me, 32 is way too low. Way too low. Um, he's right up there. He's a real good playmaker in this draft. He's a ton of fun to watch. You know, he's not the biggest dude in the world, but – he can make plays. He's got a crazy shot. He plays hard. He can be a bit of a hothead sometimes. I'm surprised to see him at 32 there. Um, but yeah, there you go. So that's my takes of the first round there. Just jumping through, and then we'll just take questions and get the hell out of here. Um, I did want to run through a couple other picks that he's got here, specifically guys that I think would be good fits for the Minnesota Wild, just because, you know, we should talk about the Wild a little bit more than we have. Um and a couple of guys he's got pretty high here in the second round. David Edstrom, I think he probably has a chance to go first round just because he really popped off at the U18s. Again, Swedish center, a no shit center. He's six foot three, 190 pounds. He he can shoot the fucking puck, man. But he also showed two way capability. He can be, he looks like a good, um, you know, shutdown's probably a little bit strong, but a good defensive center with size. Skating's not superb but he is fairly shifty and he can like trans uh he's pretty good in transition with a puck on his stick and he's fairly creative but he gives you a little bit of everything in the offensive zone so i wouldn't be shocked to see him go first round honestly but that's another guy that six foot three center right shot creative player that has two-way capabilities another guy that the minnesota wild i'm sure are looking at um and you know especially if they want to move up in the second round here i think that's a guy they'd love to take um he's got him at 37 so it's interesting because I've seen him be right around like 50, either like literally here at 35, 36, 37, or I've seen people being like, oh, he's going to go top 18. So it's just interesting to see where he goes. I mean, I, I think mid second, the latest we're going to see him go. It's just because he's six foot three center. Um, but that's another guy that I love. And I think the Minnesota Wild love, I'm sure as well. Um, Anton Wahlberg, we all know how I feel about 
good old Anton, six foot four, 200 pounds, good skater, just so raw, but all the tools in the fucking world. He's got him at 40. I think that's probably realistic. Um, I love that he's such a fun player to watch. He just goes fucking sports center top 10 mode constantly. One guy that's way too low for me here, and I, I think this is actually realistic, and obviously it is because Bobby Mack put him here. Man, Grayson Sachin at 49 is just a crime. I do think he's going to end up going right around there just because he's a center who was on a stacked Seattle team um, and playing like 13, 14, 15 minutes a night. But Jesus, he's still fucking produced right around a point per game. He plays hard. He's a good oh, – he just does everything really well. Like he projects to be a solid two-way player with good offense, but the fact that he's five foot ten is going to like scare teams away and he's 155 pounds. Um, but 49, that's just a crime to me, man. That's so low. He's a stud. He deserves more love than he gets. But whatever, it is what it is. He should go in the first round for me all day long. Uh, my boy, Oscar Fisker, Mulgard at 51. I think that's probably realistic. But just the ascent with this kid, man. This is a guy who was literally playing junior hockey in Denmark up until two years ago. And then this year he ends up being, before the end of the year, he became uh, HV71 second line center in the NSHL and playing unbelievably well. Not eye-popping stats and his style of play is the most eye-popping in the world. But... He's got some of the best hockey IQ in this draft as well. And he's a transition demon. He's such a good skater. Like he's going to be a solid NHL player, super reliable in all three zones. I think there's offense. There's definitely room to grow for him offensively. He doesn't have an NHL level shot whatsoever, but um, he's, he's going to be a really good NHL player for a long time. And a guy that like you're just penciling into be voted as like one of the most underrated players in the league forever. Um, he's a stud. He's so good. He's like top three favorite players in the draft for me. So I get upset when I see him at 51. He should be in the first round all day. And the last couple I have to bring up because it's insane that they're this low. They're not, and he doesn't have in the first round. Jaden Perron at 58. It's only because he's five foot nine. One of the most dynamic playmakers in this draft. He's going to have to overcome a lot to really hit his full potential in the NHL just because he is five foot nine. He's 160 pounds. So it's going to like, it will be an uphill battle for him, but his kid is a human highlight. Really so fun to watch on a really good Chicago team, the USHL 58. That's also criminal for me. That is fucking criminal. Uh, he is an absolute stud, man, an absolute stud and same breath because again, he's five foot eight and three quarters. William white lot, 65, doesn't necessarily surprise me though because like you want to talk about a defensive fucking black hole william white laws your guy but again dynamic playmaker high end shot for a guy that size all he does though is produce offense and just put up highlight real fucking uh plays so two guys that are literally only at 58 and 65 because they are five foot nine and five foot eight respectively so really brutal they should go way higher than that um, such good players, man. Such good players. Shout out my guy Felix Ungerstorm at 85, by the way. But let's see. Anyone else I really felt like I needed to bring up here? Uh, well, yes, because another guy that I would have said uh was challenging for a potential first round pick, even though he was five foot eight, but even more so, the, a bigger reason I'm bringing him up because these three 
81, 82, and 83. The all-Italy sequence in this draft. Luca Pinelli at 81. Center at uh, the Ottawa 67s. Stud. Real fun player to watch, but he's five foot eight and three quarters. So there you go. That's why he's there. Tristan Bertucci. Defenseman out of Flint. Big dude. Plays hard. He's a good player. Um, I think that'll be a nice little pickup for whoever gets him probably third round. I think he's a solid player. And then an actual Italian goalie, six foot six, playing for Fariestad in Sweden, Damian Clara. So there you go. They got the all Italy sequence of this fucking draft from uh, from uh, Bobby Mack. But that's where we'll uh, that's where we'll cut it for the uh, for the draft now. Holy shit, I actually did. I went through a whole hour by myself, and now we can just dive into the questions. So first, what I'll do here is go through the questions that were sent on Twitter. So like all four of them. Um, all right, let me pull it up. All right. Oh, my God, my computer froze. Um, all right, all right. Where are we? Bill, why does everybody in the league apparently hate playing and living in Calgary, Winnipeg? Hey, bro, I, we talked about it before. I don't know what's going on in Calgary. Winnipeg's kind of self-explanatory, even though I've heard Winnipeg's real cool. Um, yeah, those poor bastards, man. Those poor fans. It sucks. Um, I don't know what's going on, specifically in Calgary. This is the first time I've seen everyone be like, yo, fuck this. Even after Daryl got gassed, I thought people would be like, oh, I'm excited. Like, I thought like some of these guys would be excited to play there again, but nope. Um, so there you go. I have no idea, bro. Winnipeg probably is just like it's cold, and there's like I don't know, it's Winnipeg. Um, Bill also asks when the Minnesota Wild trade Kalen Addison, do you think they make a run at Eric Johnson and free agency as a third pair D man? Sounds like he's not gonna be back in Colorado. Yep, that was just made public too. It sounds like they are not resigning him. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't really know if Minnesota's really in the position to take a stab at or expend like any money. I think a guy like, uh, like Eric Johnson, I'll be curious to see like what teams are willing to give up. I mean, the injury history is crazy. So that's another thing too. Like they still have to, if they want to make, if they want to bring anyone in from outside Minnesota, if they don't, if they want to like sign anyone in UFA, they have, they still have to clear tons of money. And, you know, along with that, you look at Eric Johnson and, you know, when he's healthy, he's, he's a decent enough player, but he's not like he's just not healthy whatsoever. Like, how many games has he even played last three years? So I, I can't see them doing that. And again, like, even if they wanted to, they don't necessarily have a whole lot of money to, to splash in free agency until, you know, they actually make some moves here and like figure out what each of their own guys that are going to come back, what they're going to sign for. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think it, that mold of players, I'm sure someone that would be attractive to Bill Guerin to like kind of be steady Eddie on the back end, a big guy that plays physical, you know, he's been around for a while. I'm sure that was like the idea in his head when he brought Goligoski in the fold here, but um, I can't really see it. Cause again, number one, they've got zero money to do anything. Um, and two is just, if you are going to spend money, I don't know how you can spend a significant amount or really any, on a guy that's that injury ridden forever. All right. Lizard to Kaprizov to Lizard to Kaprizov says Elias Lindholm, Mark Shifley, or PLD. Who would you want most and why? Uh, I would probably say, and I don't, unfortunately, I don't think any of these three is a realistic target for Minnesota because again, money. But um, I think if you take your, uh, take your pick 
and I'm not considering any rumors or any, um, you know, contract stuff. PLD for me all day long. He's super young still. He is only like grazed his potential. He's a big center, super creative playmaker. He scored goals. Um, defensively, he's solid enough, and there's room to grow there too. And he plays fucking hard. I think PLD for me would be by far the guy that I would take over Shifley and Lindholm as much as I love Lindholm. Um, a big part has to do with the age thing. I, I'm not even considering the fact that, oh, you might only have him for a year. Even if that's the case, I don't give a fuck. I'd take that dude in the year. That's a number one center, no shit number one center, which we know you need to win in this league. And plus, you know, he's young enough. Um, but hey, if he loves it, where he goes, maybe he wouldn't even ask for that trade to Montreal, even though I'm sure that contract is already signed. Password is whiskey asks the 64th overall pick seems like a good place to take a swing. Who are some consensus third or fourth round guys with high upside that you think are worth taking a chance on. I mean, my guy, my number one favorite player in this draft. That's not going to go in the first round Felix Unger Sorum. Um, he's the reason he's not as highly thought of by a lot of people who do this um, is the skating's a big problem. He's undersized. Even though he's five foot 10, five foot 11, but he's 160 pounds soaking wet. Crazy high-end playmaking, though. Executes or executed the most uh, cross-seam passes, the most, um, you know, one of the most premier playmakers in the J20 as a draft eligible this season for Lexan's IF. Um, he's a ton of fun to watch, man. And you know what? Like, even if he is undersized and he, he's not the best skater in the world, I think for me, like, he's shown some ability to create, like, just some crazy amounts of space with the puck on his stick. Cause he's just so shifty. It, the skating's weird. It's not that he's like a bad skater. Cause I wouldn't say that's accurate. He's just not fast. Like he does not have that good first step, but it's crazy. Like in the J 20 of the season, I watched him still. And I don't think he'll probably, he probably won't be able to do this in the NHL with the lack of foot speed, because that's a whole other level, obviously than the Swedish U 20, but he was still like getting in on the four check. And not only that, he would actually win the puck back and then make a play. The thing I love most about him is the fact that every single time he touches the puck, he wants to make a play. I don't think I've ever watched that dude dump the fucking puck in. Sometimes it kills him. Um, sometimes it turns into him having like a minute and a half shift where he's just like dosy doing around the offensive zone, just like waiting for something to open up. But he is so shifty and his playmaking comes from his ability to create space for himself, create passing and shooting lanes um, and execute. So you know, he also was on that top line with Stenberg and Edstrom at this, the U18s, and he was the best playmaker on that team, uh, a team that took, you know, USA to the ropes there. It looks like they may have actually pulled off that upset until USA decided that they were not going to let them do that. Um, but he's my guy. Take a swing on fucking Felix Ungersorum because there's legit upside there. Um, and then let's see. Let me think of another guy. I'm going to pull up Bobby Max here. <clears throat> Um, I like a kid like uh, Denver Barkey too, man. Um, well, I guess he would drive everyone nuts because he's another center who's five foot eight. <laughs> uh, 
Alex Chernick, probably another one. He's actually like kind of like a better skating Felix Ungersorum, um, a guy that a lot of people had in their first round. I think he'll be gone. Bobby Max got a mocked at 75th overall, but that's another guy with crazy high end upside. It's it's literally him and Ungersorum who like execute some of the most or uh, the highest rates of like cross lane playmaking, cross lane passes, cross scene passes. Like that's what they both do. And Sirnik's one of the better skaters in the draft too. So, you know, if he's there in the third round, that's a, that's a nice solid pick right there. There are plenty of people that still have him first round too. So that's a guy I love there too. Um, let's, let's find one more here. You know, Emilio Arventi is interesting to me. Another Swedish kid who probably was like at the start of the year, you know, I think a lot of people had him top uh, 25 picks. Him and Jesse Nermi too. Two Finnish kids, scoring wingers. They're really fun to watch. Arventi's got some serious skill. Nermi's got good skill. He's a good shooter, and he's got a pretty good defensive game as well. So those are those are a couple other guys that, you know, I think you're looking at third and fourth round. If they're sitting there, it's, you bet on that upside all day long. So those are two more kids, two Finnish kids that I like too. Um that probably will be there. Um, good question. I, I always love, like, those are my favorite kind of picks to track in the draft is, like, where some of these guys that you have personally watched for a while that maybe don't get the same, like, buzz as the top-end guys. And when they do get taken, like, I fucking know, yep, the great pick. So those are the guys that I would pick, though, uh, for, for that mold of player that you described. Moving on to the chat. I got to scroll up here. Let's see. Bill. Bill, as possibly the same Bill. Uh, give me three of your top probable players that are going to be available for the Wild at 21. Which of the Swedes would you prefer, Stenberg or Edstrom? Um, oh, geez. Players that I think will be there at 21. Top three. Well, Good question. I'm going to start with the Stenberg or Edstrom comparison. You took, you have to take Stenberg. Stenberg, is he smaller? Yes. But my God, is he a bulldog, though? He's got really high upside, too. Um, I think, you know, if he's a center on a third line, you know, you're looking at a solid two-way uh, player who's got high-end upside in terms of offense, um, not a black hole defensively. And, yes, he might be five foot ten, but, fuck, does he like to hit – he is a buzzsaw. So you got to bet on the upside with him again, like coming into the year and by far one of the weirdest draft years ever where like he goes and plays for team Sweden against his peers. He kicks the shit out of everybody. And like, is just a stud everywhere he goes. And then, you know, he's playing in like the Swedish U 20 league and he's just like not standing out really at all. Um, you know, getting out produced by guys in his own team that are either younger or the same age as him. So the league play versus, you know, when he's playing with Team Sweden, it's just like mind blowing to me. It doesn't make any sense. So one of the weirder draft years ever. But he's a guy coming into the this draft season that people had top ten. Um, you know, and on the, plenty of people had him outside of their first round by the end of the by the end of this year by their final ranking. For me, he's still a first round pick. Um, and I think you have to, you know, especially in this draft, you got to bet on upside. So I take Stenberg before Edstrom, even though I do think Edstrom has probably like the higher floor just because he is the big center projectable two-way game budding offense really really fucking good shot is able to create some decent high danger scoring chances at a good clip um 
So again, he's probably going to end up being, you know, the higher floor in terms of like, Hey, he's probably a safer pick to be like a full-time NHL guy. Um, you know, like, Hey, if you're not going to hit your full potential, are you still able to, you know, find something else that makes you a good, useful NHL player? David Edstrom probably has a little bit more of that, like a Stenberg, but I still think Stenberg's floor isn't as low as other people say it is like, um, so I think for me, you got to take Stenberg with the upside. I think there's a pretty good chance he's actually sitting there for Minnesota. And again, it'll drive Minnesota fans nuts because he's not six foot tall. Um, but <laughs> he would be a great pick at 21. Um, same thing with Shala. I'll say the same thing about him. I'm curious to see if he's sitting there because I know a lot of teams or a lot of people really soured on him just thanks to his league play, which also was not great. Um, but I mean, the proof they put in there, man, like he's a stud. He is real good. He's so fun to watch. And then a guy like Sam Honzik or Nate Danielson or Callum Ritchie. Those are the three guys that like, I feel like one of them for some reason will be there at 21, whether they won't be. And that those are probably my go-to picks. So there you go. So on, since fucking uh, Bobby Mack put Ritchie there um, over Danielson and Honzik or after Danielson and Honzik. So three guys realistic for t- number 21 overall. That would be, that I'd be very happy if they took. Callum Ritchie, Edward Shai, and Otto Stenberg. <sighs> Let's see. John Robinson. Is Oliver more realistically within reach for a trade up? Um, probably not. Um, I mean, if, if teams let him slip, Again, it's literally because he's not six feet, but I don't think that he'll fall far enough for a realistic like trade to happen. Um, he is so he's so good, man. Um, so no, I I would love that. Another player I'd love to take at twenty one overall. He should not be there, and if he is, again, it's because he's five foot ten. And then, yep, yeah, you're preaching the choir, bro. No Hall of Fame McGilney, unbelievable. I don't know what the hell this fucking guy has to. Well, I mean, he can't do anything else, I guess. But how is he not in yet? It's crazy. Charlie Smith, what are the odds we land the Russian prospect that wants to play with Kirill? Daniil Boot could be there at twenty-one, and that would be another solid pick. A big boy, good shot, makes plays, can skate, um, winger, but. Real good player. That's a fun player. I mean, are you if you're talking about Mitchkov, it's a zero percent chance. Um, at 21, is there a plug and play big scoring stud wing available for the first line? KK Rossi plus right wing pick. Um, I mean, Bradley Nadeau, man. Holy shit, he's got some seriously high upside. He's gonna go late first, early second. It would be pretty would be a big swing at 21. But like, there's no reason this kid doesn't score in the NHL. He's probably top five shot in the draft. If you bet you may next year, he lit up the BCHL this season. Um, what do you have, like 45 goals in 50 games? Um, that would be, I mean, he's a no-shit sniper. Like, he's a stud. I love that guy. Uh, and then last question, do you think a lot of teams over, Oh, that's not true. I got one more. Uh, do you think a lot of teams overvalue size this season, given who was in the cup final this year? Yeah, I think that's going to be very much so a thing because finally all the fucking pundits in the world had the opportunity like, Oh, look at Vegas and their big defense. That's the reason that Aiden Hill could be a Stanley cup winning goalie. Um, I, I mean, I like to think that 
people have the wherewithal to be like, yeah, they are big, but they also had a bunch of studs. Like they all move the puck fairly well or very well to fairly well. Uh, and they had a guys chipping in offensively too. So I, I would hope that, you know, people have enough wherewithal to, to re- recognize that and not just like, oh, size, size, size. Um, but we know it's the NHL, so probably. Uh, Sean Cosgrove, do any top players act like dickheads in their team interviews pre-draft the teams which they don't want to go to? Seems weird to interview for a job that you don't want. No, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, Mitchkov's literally like turning down interviews, which is incredible. Like what a power move. Um, but I can't imagine kids are doing that. Like I think all these kids are smart enough to be like, no, no, no I want to go play in the nhl i mean brian burke has a great story of like thomas vanek being a dickhead in his uh interview and he's like hey like stop being a dick like if you know me you know i will trade up to get you like if i do like you like just because we're not picking where you think you're gonna go like you know what i mean so that's a little bit different than people being a or a dude being a dickhead just because he's interviewing with a team he doesn't want to go to but i i, I think players are smart enough to be like no nah, i just want to make a show because i mean that also gets out like that's a that's not something you can just hide from, but um, I mean, I can't imagine that teams or uh, kids do that, but I think that'll do it. I am late to the place I said I was going to go to an hour ago. Shocking. Um, so eventually we figured it out. We figured out the live thing. I did. I did a whole episode by myself. I didn't skip out. So I hope you're all proud of me. Thank you everyone for the questions. By this time next week, we'll know, we'll know who the wild drafted. Um, if they traded up, if anyone, you know, was traded for picks, We'll know. We'll find out. But thank you, as always, for tuning in. Um, It's draft time, baby. It's draft time. Been waiting forever, and it's finally happening. We'll see you next week.